to another week of Inspired Men's Talk. Today, we are talking about man and man's best friend. So animals, you know, man's best friend traditionally is the dog, but we're going to explore what animals bring to us and how they can impact our mental health. Um, I'm joined, as usual, with the other three amigos, Gary, Ben and Peter. So I think to get started is what's your views on pets? So anybody want to jump straight in and get, get away with that? I've got a dog. Well, I did have a dog until recently, bless him. Um, but I've had a dog for half my life. I've grown up with dogs and they are, as the saying goes, man's best friend. Um, they are loyal. They don't judge you. They're always pleased to see you. Um, and they just, they're awesome. I absolutely love them. Brilliant. Yeah, I think I, I kind of echo that sentiment. I uh, I don't currently have any pets because I live in a in a small little flat and I don't feel it would be appropriate to have a pet in the in the flat with me but I, I grew up with dogs and uh, I was almost like Damien from the Omen so my family found a dog a stray dog and brought it back to the house before I was born and then I was born and the dog was like my best friend for the first sort of eight 12 years of my life um, and there was there was a couple of great stories that I remembered uh, recently and one was my mum, it was it was a time back in the 70s, you used to be able to leave your pram outside in the street, right, when you'd go into the shops. And my mum was in Sainsbury's or somewhere like that. And this woman came and looked into the pram to have a look at me. And the dog went ballistic. The dog was going crazy. He didn't attack her, he didn't touch her, but he was barking like mad, so much so that my mum had to come out of the store. And the woman was like, I'm so sorry, I just wanted to have a look at the baby. I just wanted to have a look at the baby. She was like, no, that's okay. And that dog protected me. And there are some other stories, and I'll, I'll kind of come to them as we go along through this. But, yeah, I, I love dogs, and, and they're, they're just fantastic. What was your dog's name, Peter? Uh, Shep. Shep. Yeah. Good classic. What about you, yeah. Ben? What was your most recent dog's name? Max. Max. Good dog's names, they are. Yeah. Gary, what about you? What's your view on pets? Well, it's interesting because um, I think... Uh, family pets probably are particularly dogs and cats not so much the smaller animals necessarily i think they're more individual but i think a family pet actually is a level of the glue of the family so all i come from a very big family but all through my life we had at least one dog and sometimes two or three dogs um and they were the constant so every, no matter who came in and out of the house in the family, the dogs were always there. And quite often, they were the things which we revolved around. You know, they were like, they had their own personality, and each one had a different personality. And all the way through, you knew which one would give you a little bit of a, a coddle, you might say, and which one was a protective one, and which one didn't really give a shit. Um, <laughs> you know, because they... Because they, they have that personality um, and, and all for my life. And then when I got married, you know, as soon as we got into a relationship and got married, we went out and bought a dog. I mean, in, in them days, in the, you know, I got married in the early 80s. We was at, we went, I was in the forces and we'd gone home for the weekend. And on the way back to the train station, we see a doggy in a window. And we go, oh, he's cute. And we bought the dog there and then and we took him all the way back up to where I was stationed. And that was our dog. 
and it didn't look anything like as an adult. It looked nothing like what it did as that cute puppy in the window. And and how much was that doggy in the window? Oh, <laughs> a few a few pounds, a few pounds. You know, it's very different now. We've got a, a dog now, which basically had to get a new mortgage for to to afford a dog, compared to buying a dog out the window. I mean, it wouldn't be allowed now. The conditions and everything else, but that was that was it. And the amount of times my dad brought strays home. And things like that, you know, and it was all lovely, but they're all different. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing a lot of um, from us guys in particular is um, it's mainly about the dogs. Um, and I have two dogs myself. Um, I've always had dogs growing up. Um, always, I, I feel like it's always a key part of the home is having a pet. I mean, I'm sure there's people out there that feel very differently, but I feel like having a pet is a key thing to have. Once you've got, you have had pets, it's, I think it's difficult not to have pets. And um, yeah, like I said, I've got two dogs now. Um, one of them is an old boy now, and you know, he's been he was he was my first dog as an adult. He was the first dog I got, and there's a real deep connection there. I think um, between me and him, he's been there through everything I've been through, um, where everything's been unregular or not constant. He's been the constant, so I think there's you, there's a big part of your life revolves around your pets and animals and they are always that constant so i think that's something to be really looked at and and i think one of the one of the things i know from from my experience when having a pet as a child it it helps because of two things one you get that attachment but also it tends to be or it used to be the first experience of grief because pets only live for a certain period of time and yeah. most people would uh, most people wouldn't experience loss until kind of their 30s or 40s so if you had a pet that helped you to understand that life was fleeting and, and how to handle grief um and so that was a really lovely i know that was kind of part of the reason why my family started with pets when i was growing up was to kind of give us that a experience of attachment and love but also to help me understand what grief was going to be like that's a really good point um I mean, yeah, you're right. I experienced um, the first loss I ever experienced was a pet. Um, and it does. It, it sets you up and prepares you for the facts of life. So, yeah, I think you've got a good point there. Um, I mean, emotionally, though, I mean, we're all talking about dogs. Obviously, there's lots of other animals. Um, I keep horses. Well, well, my partner, she keeps horses. And she has a very deep connection with those. You know, she considers them as her children. And, it's, and it is that deep. And personally i feel like animals they they don't judge you by what you look like by the size you are by the color you are they don't judge you they they just care if you care for them they care for you and that level of unconditional attachment i think is unmatched with most people you know um she certainly feels that way about horses. I certainly feel that way about my dog. I mean, I've always had cats as well. I think they're it's a little bit different. I think they sort of come to you when they want something, don't they? Yeah, do. I'm not <laughs> a cat lover. I'm not a cat lover. Yeah, what about, one of, we've got to be careful because one of our colleagues is an absolute cat lover. So she will. She does know where you live and she will come after you if you're not careful. <laughs> so, but she, she's got a quite a few cats she's got four or five cats and again they are 
all individual, they've all got their own personality and they work very well with her and she's got a, 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 a kindred spirit maybe, I don't know the words, but she's connected to them. And when one of our other associates also keeps horses and she is so bound to them. And I remember when she lost the horse, how difficult it was for her. And I think when you have an animal which you've grown up with or you've had for many years, the acceptance of the loss is def definitely something we learn better from. But actually, the unconditional condition that person had with that animal was also something quite special. And, and you're right, Chris, if a dog's cat's horses, whatever, don't necessarily judge you. But they do. They judge you by your actions. Because mm. I remember we had a dog and he hated policemen. Now, there was a really good reason for it. Because back in the 70s, you didn't, your dog wasn't bound by your house. So we used to open the door in the morning and let him out into yeah. the street. And he used to roam the streets of London. And the amount of times he ended up in Battersea Dog's home. But the police would capture this stray dog. And he wasn't a stray dog, he was our dog. But he had his own, he'd done what he wanted. And it came with this, he was, they used to take him to the police station. And then they used to take him off the Battersea if they weren't caught connected within so that much. And there was one policeman he hit, was hitting with. They used to wear big leather gloves at the time. And, he used to, and this this dog was not aggressive at all, but he hit him with his gloves. And that then from then on, he learned that policemen were going to hurt him. So he was always very wary of that action. What one did, everybody got. So I think if you cherish and love, and you you can you people tell their dog stuff they wouldn't tell anyone else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. You know, um, because they know they're going to keep the secret and they do feel some, because I think some ways, some animals do show that concern, even though, but even though they don't have that intellectual capacity, you do feel it. You do get a Ma feeling. Massively so. You know, if you're, Max would always... If you know you're not happy, if you're upset or something's not right, he'd be there and he'd know. And likewise, if you get injured or something, if you've got a cut somewhere, he knows the minute you walk through the door. Obviously, he'd be able to smell it and he'll he'll sniff until he finds it and then he'll try and like bathe it for you or whatever. It'd just Ooh. be constant. You know, there are the love is unconditional, but it is conditional at the same time. Yeah, because it, it you know. All right, day to day, if you tell them off or you're having a bad day and you maybe shout at them, that's fine. They'll forgive you for that. But if you are, like your policeman example, they do remember that. They really do remember. Uh, and likewise, we always say that they're a good judge of personality, don't we? We always say that they can, dis you know, spot someone who's good, someone who's bad. And you see that sometimes when people come in your house, there's something that it just doesn't like about an individual that walks in. Um, it, it is really weird. We, we had a, a Labrador who was probably as soft as as soft as you could be. And I started doing some business with this guy and we, I took him into the office. I hated it. He, and he'd ne we'd never heard him bark or growl. He was savage with this guy. He just kept snarling. And I'm like, what's going on? That guy ended up being such a rogue in my, <laughs> to what we were doing. The dog knew straight away that he was a bad yeah. And he never, the only other time I saw him lose his temper or be protective of that was when, unfortunately, he was with the vets on his last moments. Um, but he knew what was going on then. 
but apart from that, we'd never heard him start a growl or bark. Mm. So they do have that that gut instinct, which I think humans ignore or push away. Dogs live and they still have that intuition. Yeah. Sounds like Max did. Yeah, I used to say he was a person in a dog's body because the attitude and like the communication, he would talk to you like in your face and he'd be able to tell you what he wanted. And, uh, you know, they are. I mean, cats as well. I, I say I don't like cats. The reason I don't like them is because they can be savage with no, without any warning. There's no like, there's no like sort of like warning growl or anything like that. The amount of times I've stroked a cat and it's having a great time, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, bang, it claws you or sinks its teeth in your hand, and you're like, "And what was that for?" <laughs> Dogs are not like that. At least you get like a bit of a warning with a dog, and they're like, "I'm having a bad day." Cats just like, "Yeah, actually, I can't stand you for now. the next ten seconds. So I'm gonna sink my teeth into you." Yeah, I think there is that. I mean, from my personal experience um, with my, my dog, I, when I was going through a tough time with uh, my divorce and things like that, and um, when I was going through those, I definitely knew when I needed that company and definitely approached for it. <laughs> Bless him. So Chris is suffering with man flu today. I am. So we all know how we feel about our animals, but we also... In the profession we're in, we've done a lot of research and we've read a lot of research and we've heard a lot of different things about the science behind it. Um, so we know that the chemicals that happen in our brain when we spend time with our animals and the other benefits of animals in the mental health field. Does, do any of you guys want to expand on that a little bit? So I I work a lot with um, dentists and deal with deal with a lot of phobia stuff. For, for them and I, I was going around and talking to a group of dentists and one of them said to me oh we actually now use a therapy dog um, which I'd never heard of until uh, like in that setting until I'd spoken to them and it's it's there that they've got a little dog that will just sit up on the person's lap while they're going through their dental surgery to kind of distract them so that they can kind of stroke stroke the pet and just get a bit of that oxytocin um, and I just thought that was an amazing idea for that setting. Obviously, we know that there's therapy dogs elsewhere um, and therapy animals elsewhere, but I'd never seen it in a dental setting before. And I just thought it was incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my daughter's school, she's in secondary school now, and it's a very new school, so they're quite forward thinking. I have a therapy dog that comes in once a week um, just for the children to be able to go and sit with and play with and stroke. And and I think it, it's amazing that we're now in that Place where we can do that sort of thing where we can see the advantage of that so much that see the, the benefit of it so much that we actually action it because if you were to say oh we've got a dog in the middle of a dental surgery they'd say how how, how unhygienic that is but actually yeah. then the benefit outweighs that and i think that's a brilliant thing yeah, any other points of view on this it's become big in the police um you know the They've got now these therapy dogs that they're going around. Oscar Kilo 9 um, goes around with their dogs. And it's funny because it, the dog units always were the great people to see on a job because you always used to get your time to interact and have fun with the dogs at the end of it doing its role, searching, chasing someone, whatever. And they do bring that sense of calm, you know, help re- reduce your cortisol, give you that oxytocin uh, and that boost. Um, so I, I think it's a great thing that they're out there. Um, but it doesn't have to just be dogs. 
you know you talked about horses yeah we grew up with horses when I was younger um, my cousin used to ride them and they can you know equally do the same thing so I think as long as you have that bond with an animal and that connection Pete's laughing his head off I don't know what for but it's, it's the horses I, I got headbutted by a police horse <laughs> once now, to be fair, but you shouldn't horse... be rioting, Pete. You know that's the trouble. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I was actually trying to chat up the the policewoman on the horse, and she just—I mean, it was New Year's Eve. I was a little bit drunk, and she gave a little tug, and it hit me on the side of the head, and I went, "Oh yeah, I'll go home." Sorry, so that just made me laugh. Sorry. <laughs> Are you sure you were chatting up the woman on the horse, and you ain't got a bit confused with your beer goggles, mate? You know, <laughs> could have been either. Um, but yeah, I think any animal, as long as that connection's there. Uh, and you know you care and love it. it it will love you back just equally as much and bring the same joy um as as we talk about dogs do or cats yeah, yeah but, but the the short-term gain is still quite huge so just having a therapy dog in the school for an hour a week and having somebody go in and mess around with you saying at the end of a job messing around with things so even if we've got no definite connection with the animal, whether it's a dog or a horse or a cat or, you know, anything, well, it can be, you know, there are so many different animals there now. Um, that just, that, that connection with that thing in that short term produces so many positive neurotransmitters in the brain. It, and all those neurotransmitters that are released actually offset anxiety. They actually counteract the anxiety chemicals that are released. It changes the autonomic nervous system. So even having that dog at the dentist will do more than just distract them. It produces so many counteractions to any anxiety they're feeling. Even if we don't know much about the animal, it is so positive. So, you know, there were so many examples. I know we talked about the cat cafe things, which they have all over the place now. In, in, they started in Japan, I think. But Peter, you were talking about a dog walking thing you did. Yeah, so uh, there's, an, there's an app that I use called Borrow My Doggy. So because I, I, I don't want to have a dog in a small flat because I just don't feel it's right, I was looking for some way to kind of just interact with pet pets and there's an app that i use and it's called borrow my doggy and it's for people who are either too busy to take their dogs for walks or want someone to babysit the dog while they go away for a couple of days um, and you go and you meet someone and it just gives me a little bit of a chance to interact with pets again because it's absolutely lovely and i love being around them um, and it's a really lovely way to do it. And I know there's a few. That's just the one. That's just the particular app that I use. Um, and I know that there's there's others. Um, but it's it's lovely, you know, just taking someone's dog just for a walk. And it might be that I'll just go down. I live quite near the Emirates Stadium. And it might just be I'll just take a little walk around the Emirates with the dog or sit in a park and just have a little bit of fun. Because I forgot that you can't take your dogs off of leads anymore. And it was only, you know, when you mentioned it, Gary, you know, we used to send our dog out all the time. And and it was weird because you'd see it, I'd see it out in the street and he'd be like sitting at the zebra crossing, waiting to cross the road, waiting for the traffic and things like that. They were really intelligent, but you yeah. can't do that anymore. Um, no, but you also don't tread in dog poo every time you go out either. Yeah, so there is that. There is, that there is a the benefit, in, you know, yeah. um, against the negative. Yeah. Um, the, the, I think some of the other things which you know are quite important is about you living in a little flat, Peter. Yeah. And can't have animals, and a lot of 
A lot of private rent can't have animals in private rent. It's just against their thing. Yeah. Do you think most people are missing out on not being able to have a dog? So uh, I live in a house where I can have one. Christopher does. Ben does. I, I, I do. I genuinely do. I mean, I, I as you as we've talked about, you know, you can talk to your dog, and and I used to, you know, and I I tried it with fish, and you kind mm. of you don't you, you don't talk to them in the same way, and but I forget after five seconds anything <laughs> yeah. you said. Yeah, there is that. Yeah, they've not got a lot of sympathy, and they're all called Bob. Bob. Bob, yeah, it's a bad Bob. joke. Sorry, my cousin's um, my cousin's fish was called Scabobby, so you know. <laughs> um, but it is you you do you do kind of miss out on that. You do miss having that connection. I mean, I'm single and I live on my own, um, so having a pet to talk to is lovely and it's so beautiful for those moments when you don't feel like you can talk to anybody else, um, and and you can tell them absolutely everything. So yeah, I do think people that don't have the opportunity to to keep a pet do miss out on something. Well, it's, it's interesting. Funny, though, isn't it? Go on, sorry, Chris. Sorry, it's interesting because you're talking about private renting and things like that. I'm pretty sure I heard somewhere that they've changed the laws on it that they can't restrict people um, from having pets um, in certain situations now. So that they've, they're trying to make it so that um, those restrictions aren't as tight, which I think is a good thing mm -hmm. for. for reason of mental health you know um it obviously there's still probably some restrictions there but i think they're trying to loosen them up because i mm -hmm. think it is a shame if somebody's living circumstances does restrict them of course yours is more space peter and yeah. you've got welfare of an animal into account when you're thinking about these things yeah um but i think it's nice that people are getting more of an option in, in that way to have pets because i think it is a shame if it's something that you want and you can't have due to external circumstances but these apps that you've talked about where you can borrow other people's pets i think they're brilliant ideas um, yeah absolutely amazing and and actually really really cheap you're not you, you're not expected to pay i think it's like 12 pounds for the year to become a, a premium member for the borrow my doggy and then you meet people and obviously you just take the dogs for a walk. So it's, you know, it's not an expensive thing for you to be able to do this and get interaction with pets. And it's a win-win for both people. Yeah. Well, I think it's bigger than that because you're talking to taking a dog for a walk. So you're getting some exercise. You've got a little bit of responsibility for that time. You know, so there's so many sort of add-on values to taking the action without having to put yourself into a space where you're now responsible for that at all times yeah. and it, and it can, can be actually I, I, I know when i need it and i'll book it in it's not perfect but it's so much better ben you were going to say something sorry we no no i was just going to say i suppose you know it's all good that we're talking about this but there are people who just can't stand pets of course yeah and and you know it, it's it that is people's personal preference i think on the majority um knowing the sides behind it and talking to most people i think it, it the people who do like pets it, it plays a massive benefit obviously we can't speak for those who don't um all of us seem to be quite avid animal lovers you know um and i'm sure they get theirs elsewhere you know there's a pet out there for everybody though i think whether it's a dog 
cat, a goldfish, or even a snail, Ben. I think there's a pet <laughs> out there for everybody. Definitely. I mean, yeah, whatever takes your fancy. I think uh, I think we can end up in a situation, though, where we go a little bit too far with what we use those pets for. You know, like, do you get much feedback from a snail? I'm not sure on that one. No. <laughs> you know. No, I... <laughs> but... <laughs> Some people even go to the lengths where they adopt a lion or a tiger and they contribute to the well-being of that. And I think that's really admirable, but what do you get really from that? It's very different than having connection, but it's also really difficult. When most people now have to work as a couple, it's really difficult. We, we saw in lockdown loads of people went out and bought animals, dogs in particular, I spent a lot of money and then they went back to work and we've now got an abundance of homeless dogs. So yeah. I think getting the balance right is important and know what you can and can't do. But I think the idea of what I, what animals do, we talked about it when we talk about doing this show about how many care homes and things like that are now using prosthetic uh, animals. Yeah. for people with dementias and things like that um, to actually give them comfort and actually promote the flow of those lovely positive chemicals, even though it's not a real animal. I'm thinking you were talking about you've seen some in action. Mm, yeah, so when we've been to care homes, I mean, it was a bit bizarre at first. It's like, why is all the stuffed animals there and people are talking to them? But then you realise it's because they've got dementia and actually that's the one thing that they're connecting with. And, you know, they, they purr, they make noises, they interact back, some of them, you know. So it's a, it's a clever idea. Really good. The science behind it, it is absolutely proven, valuable. And we know that science behind it works, you know. It, any contact with living things, and that, mainly animals, gives us those massive neurotransmitters that we've spoken about. And that helps with anxiety, depression. Effectively, they all help with stress. And we all know in whatever situation we're in, if we're less stressed, our body can perform better. So if we're poorly in hospital and we reduce our stress levels, we get better quicker. If we're doing, as you spoke about the dentist, having that animal there will actually act as a painkiller. You know, yeah. we know that the power, the power of these chemicals in our brain and body is so much and reducing stress is key to recovery when it comes to illness, anxiety, depression, even OCD, you know, reducing those stress levels makes everything else better. So whether it's prosthetic, whether it's temporary, whether it's you're borrowing somebody else's, whether it's just a one-time interaction, if it reduces those stress levels, just that bit that makes you able to recover better or move forward better, or even just be better than better, I think that we should recognize that more and celebrate it really because we've spoken about how pets can help us in a hard time but they can actually just lift us that bit more when we're in a even when we're in a good space well just coming home when i come home and the house is empty now it's weird yeah really weird you know i still can't adjust to it properly i still come home and it's like if particularly if the other half's away working walk in and i'm like oh it's just me then cool and it's, 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 it, the whole atmosphere has changed. 
it, it, it's a funny feeling because I, I do get it because we've been in a place. It, it's like not having that as living soul, that living body in the house, even though you might not even have anything to do with them. They're just presence just changes that atmosphere, doesn't it? 100%. And, and that willingness for them to be really pleased to see you, even if you've had an awful day and they're really pleased to see you, just changes your emotional state a little bit and helps, as Christopher said. You know. Even even thinking about it, so just, just remembering some of the stories about my dogs to just today and growing up with the dogs, it just made me feel really, really lovely. It makes me miss them, you know, and it's just beautiful. That's a really important point, Peter, because not everybody who will listen to this podcast will be in a nice situation, say like me or Christopher, or even Ben, if he chooses to get another animal, he can. You really can't right now. So how can we help you or how can you help yourself with that? Because you're not going to be able to go out and get a dog or a cat or maybe a fish you could. Yeah, I mean, potentially I could get a fish, but or maybe a tortoise. Um, but again, it's kind of you know that's I don't think that's what I'm after. I love I love doing the borrow my doggy stuff. Um, potentially, there's the opportunity to volunteer at dog shelters, and and that might be something that I will look at going forward as well. Um, but I think it's it's about just trying to find that interaction that's right for you and spend time looking into that from from my perspective to look into that to kind of have that connection with animals again and every what about now and again, the memories yeah and every now and again i think i just need to mem remember the good stories um and maybe tell the good stories because you know just talking about them now is is really lovely there's one i remember just before coming on to the just come uh, before we started the podcast and i was about eight years of age and i talked about being damien from the omen and i'd done something could upset my mom and i can't remember what i'd done but she raised her hand to slap me and a dog jumped up and, and put his teeth into her hand. Now he didn't sink him in. He didn't break the skin, but he just held her hand until she put her hand down and then he let her go. And I never got touched after that. I was protected oh. by that dog. Um, yeah. And it, and it was, you know, and, and that just, it just gives me a warm feeling because I was protected by that dog as a child and it was lovely. Do you, I mean, this is a question for everyone. Do you think we have connection with a different dog, different dogs, different animals, different cats? So I know I look at Christopher's got three kids and his daughter and the cat are particularly connected, I think. And she loves all animals. But do you think, particularly as a child and you're grown up, you sort of like bond with different animals and they bond with you? 100%. It's not a choice. Yeah. What do you feel? I'd say 100%. You know, if I look at my childhood, there was my auntie's golden retriever called Higgins. And since I was a baby, he was by my side. He used to chase me around and bite my nappies. But oh. the bond was so strong that as I got older, we went together everywhere whenever we, whenever I saw them. And I'd fall asleep cuddled up with him and he would not move until I woke up and he would stay by my side. And, and, you know, so you get, you definitely get bonds with specific ones. They had two dogs. Benson was a black Labrador. He was all about excitement and bounding round. And we never had the same bond as I did. We loved it. You know, he still look out for you and things. But yeah. Higgins was the dog that was by my side and would spend every hour with me when I was there. 
Um, so yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, Mike, that that Shep had a litter with uh, with the dog next door, and <laughs> we kept one of yeah, it was it was like they had a relationship. It was cracking. <laughs> Um, and we kept one of the dogs and uh, and and then we give the rest of the litter away. And because Shep trained him, so it was it was amazing. Shep trained his puppy and me and him, he obviously told him that I was all right because I bonded again when when Shep passed away. I moved on to the second dog who's called Ricky um, and I moved on to him and he and I bonded really, really well. But the rest of the litter didn't have any interest in me wouldn't didn't touch him wasn't near him it's interesting because we've got a labrador now before that we had a couple of sheep dogs um one was and christopher's eldest daughter and one of the dogs you, you they was always connected where she's got no real connection for our current dog mm-hmm. would you agree with christopher yeah i would and it sort of takes me back um about different connections so when i grew up we had we always had a dog but we also had five cats when I was growing up. We we had, we started with a couple and then they get added more. So we I have one of three. So I've got my brother and my sister and me. And it was interesting to see how each cat sort of picked one of us as their favourite. And we picked one of them as our favourite. And you did. You had that bond with one particular one. And it wasn't the same as somebody else's, somebody else's bond, you know. So it is interesting how different animals pick different people to make that strong connection with and yeah. i don't know where it comes from either we instigate it they instigate it but they do definitely do that um i think and yeah. i think with cats they make the decision yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that, sounds right. that definitely sounds right have you seen secret life of pets no i love it and that, that is the exact representation of the response that you get from a cat they sit there they look at you in disgust and they're like you know as if to say what are you doing like and it was the same i was carrying a massive printer up some scaffolding the other week and back down the steps and as i got to the top of the scaffolding to pause i looked over and there's two cats and they're both kind of looking at each other and looking at me as going look at this idiot what is he doing with this printer but there's <laughs> like this attitude all the time and they look at you yeah. as the inferior being well so i'll say dogs have owners cats have servants yeah exactly yeah. that exactly well, I think it's quite clear while the saying is a dog's a man's best friend, isn't it? Um, from the stuff we've all been saying and what they bring to us. I think it's quite clear why that's an age-old saying and why we decided to look at a primitive wolf and go, do you know what? I'll hang on to them. You know, it, it's clear to see why that happened and why we continue to hold such dogs, dogs in particular, in such high regard. But that doesn't take anything away from all the other animals that touch us as we go through our life, you know? Yeah. I think it's a key thing. I mean, I spoke about having the cats. I wouldn't have, I've got a cat now, but I wouldn't have cats a lot um, if I had a choice. But actually they taught us a lot growing up because we had a cat that had a litter of kittens. You learn stuff by seeing that life cycle. You, you know, as a child, you learn that. You do learn, as we've mentioned before, you learn about loss. Um, maybe earlier than would otherwise. So I think animals teach us an awful lot as we grow up, particularly in childhood. And even as adults, I think they're they're always there as caregivers and they teach us about ourselves because they are so solemnly quiet, caring. 
we can talk to them and learn about ourselves through them, I think. And it's a key thing. I think we're about getting close to wrapping up. Has anybody got anything else they'd like to say on, we'll, we'll, on this? Well, I'm just saying, if you look through the whole of history, animals have been involved, whether it was ancient Egyptians who put cats and sphinxes up there. If you look at a lot of the gods, they were part animal, part uh, um, human. If you look for a lot of the books, whether it was, you know, Oliver Twist, who had a loyal, very loyal dog, even though he wasn't loyal, until his actions spoke the relationship. Whether you look at, you know, all the way through history, there's been some element of animal to help guide the people. And there's a lot of, you know, even the program films that we watched as kids, like Lassie and things like that, and, you know, which was what it, what it was. But I think for me, it's like this is a men's mental health podcast, and we can talk about the amazing chemicals we've got. But actually, there are a lot, you know, this is about people who are going through some challenges. How can we give them some tips where if they've got an animal, how they've got to recognize it, or if they haven't got an animal, where they can get some contact? without putting them in any pressure would it be useful would, you know i don't know what 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 do you guys think i think you've made a really good point there. i mean one of the key reasons we do this podcast is to show that men do talk and if you struggle to talk we've all one of the main things we've all said about animals is that we can talk to them so yeah. i think that says that speaks a lot if you are struggling to talk maybe talk to talk to your pet if you've got one or borrow a pet and have a chat because they won't judge they won't speak back and they won't tell anyone else you know and it, it sounds for somebody if for anybody out there who's never done it it may sound a bit cuckoo but honestly it feels so different can, can i ask you a question which you might not want to answer same we'll go to Ben and peter are, are you capable of being completely vulnerable with your pet when you're yeah. in that space? Are you going to say the stuff which you might not say in public or out loud to anybody else? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. My dog knows more about me than most, you know, and he doesn't look at me any different up the deck next day. Yeah, I remember I, I broke up with uh, someone that I was very much in love with and well she broke up with me actually um but that's by the by but i then went and sat with the dog in the dark and just talked to the dog and cried it out and it was it was really really therapeutic and it really really helped me move forward um after after that heartbreak so yeah 100 percent. my 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 view on this one is if you if you haven't got pets look at the apps look at if you if you can borrow someone's dog or cat or whatever it is that you you want, then there'll be an app out there. Um, we we obviously have our podcast and we have our Facebook page. I'd love to hear your old stories about your pets because I've mm. been telling these stories and and it really cheered me up and just really made me feel fantastic. So maybe just write write on our our Facebook page, Inspired Men Talk, and tell us about your stories and your memories of your pets and tell us how that makes you feel. Yeah, I, I'd agree with everything that's been said. You know, definitely. Um, you talk to your dog about everything. Um, they know more about you than anyone will ever know. Um, and 
you know you that that's part of that bond and connection that you get um i think that yeah i don't know what the it's like an almost like a your soul or like your aura i guess that i think builds that connection with your dog because of what you disclose and that it, it comes without any conditions and i think somewhere they detect that um back and they they return that love back to you but yeah i think you know like pete said if you can't have a dog or you haven't got one then definitely uh, and you, you're struggling then definitely look at the options i know there is therapy dogs nationwide which is a charity um, a big group of volunteers that bring their dogs out to you so you can request a visit from a therapy dog if you need one so have a look at their website mm -hmm. and and you know if you feel you want to give it a go they probably be able to send someone around to spend half an hour an hour with you you know thinking about this um talking to your pets and things like that i subconsciously do it a lot and most of the time it's not actually verbal it's in your head and you're looking at your dog and you're thinking it and you feel like the dog can read it you feel like the dog is hearing you so you don't always have to say it out loud but sometimes just thinking about how you feel whilst stroking your dog whilst holding your dog you, it feels like they know what you're thinking you know and that's how and that's a big important thing i think because i think a lot of people will go i'm not going to sit there talking to a dog that's just silly but actually you don't have to verbally do it you can just look into a dog so a dog will look into your eyes and know they just have to be present don't they yeah yeah and they can get it it's interesting we one of our teams got a couple of horses and that and she'll always say that when she doesn't feel great she spends more time with the horses and even if she hasn't got time but she does has to look after the horses and that they know her mood they can pick it up as she's even as she's walking towards it and they'll come over and they'll be more you know cuddly and things like that they'll almost force themselves on you to make you feel better even horses and i think yeah. most warm-blooded animals certainly have that sense of they can read your emotions and your body language from from a mile away and will connect with you to try and help you feel better you know and i think, and I think you've that's mentioned that yeah and i think that's true even if it's not your own dog yeah i think if if you've got even a very small relationship so they borrow my pet websites and things like that i think that a dog will pick that up with you very quickly even if it's not your dog they will still have that sense of you're not okay i want you to be okay i'm gonna try and make you feel okay so like my dog is normally hyperactive as hell but if i'm not feeling good he'll calm down and be more gentle so they they will respond to you even if they're not yours so i think these apps are really really useful place for people to go if they feel they need that little bit of connection with another animal um to wrap things up because i think we've kind of exhausted subjects a little bit don't want to go around in circles i think we should just finish off with saying who's your favorite famous animal so for me it's not one animal but it's a film that i loved as a kid and it's homeward bound with the two dogs and the cat those were all that was my favorite animal film growing up and i would if it come on the tv i'd still watch it all the way through now and i, I you know it it's it's got the three different personalities and three different animals and i think that says it all and that's definitely got to be my favorite what about you guys that's really hard um 
I'm sort of thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think for me, there was a, there was a, a show, it was an American show. It was called The Littlest Hobo, and it was about a dog. Um, and, and you know, he used to just go and find people and, and help them with their situations. And that probably, that always used to bring a tear to my eye. So I'll That's go like Lasse, it. isn't it? Uh, it, it? It was, but he was, but I think Lassie had a family, didn't he? I can't remember, but the littlest uh, hobo. Lots of different versions of Lassie. Right. Well, well, I'm going with the littlest hobo. <clears throat> <laughs> um, I don't know. I suppose the one that I think connects with everything we're talking about and how people can go from not and you know being frustrated with a pet to then actually realizing that it's a massive loss is probably Marley and me. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So, so mine's completely different, and most people won't remember it, but it was the boss side line, Daktari. Is that from the wall? No, it wasn't from the wall. <laughs> can you not remember that that time? Boss, I'll tell you what it would be. And, and then, but growing up, things like Champion the Wonder Horse, oh, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, because they were hero horses and, and, and <laughs> Clarence, the boss I'd line from Dactari was just, you know, just, it just, yeah. Weird. I one of my big ones is War Horse. I think that's an excellent mm. example. Um, an animal human connection. I think that's an amazing film, an amazing story. So, I think there's, there's stories through time about the, about animals and humans yeah. connected. So, that says it all, doesn't it, really? So, so maybe that's another thing we need to ask on the social media page. What was your favourite TV film animal? No, so mine's Clarence, the boss eyed lion from Daktari. <laughs> And if anybody else has heard of that, feel free to comment on that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think that gives us a nice place to finish. So thank you for listening. And we hope you will join us again on our next podcast. And I'll say goodbye from me. Goodbye, everybody. Take care. Goodbye from me. Take care. Speak to you soon. And goodbye from me. Have a fantastic time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast that proves men do talk. If you would like more information or support, then please visit inspiredtochange.biz where you can learn more about us and the Inspired to Change team. And remember, the conversation continues on our social media, Inspired Men Talk.